It's time to go inside the front office of the Athletics with the general manager of the A's, David Forst. Here now is the David Forst Show with Chris Townsend. And now the general manager of your Oakland Athletics, David Forst. David Forst has so much power. See, you think that he just runs the Oakland Athletics. What are we talking about? The power that you have that you show up, the sun now is down. The heat is dry. I mean, I've been sitting here in a pool of sweat, but you come out like walking on water, and when you sit down, the sun's down, it's dropped 15 degrees. That is the power you have, my you, friend. You were not getting me here until the sun went down behind that upper deck because I almost passed out just walking out of here. That's called a veteran move. Well, whatever it's called. It's called having AC in the offices and not, <laughs> not, not wanting to walk away from it. <laughs> You're like looking at the sun going, tell Cody I'll be there just exactly. after 5 o'clock. We just played the Mark McGuire home run, home run number 62. Okay. And at the end of the – it goes – you remember exactly where you'll remember exactly where you were. I remember exactly where I was. I was at a restaurant eating chicken wings, drinking beer, uh, right across from Santa Clara University. Do you remember you where you were? I was playing independent ball in Springfield, Illinois. We were uh, probably before it was probably during our game that it happened. I was on the same in the same time zone, so I don't think I saw it live. But I know that's where I was that summer. It was huge because it brought everybody back. Yeah. I mean, I was only, I was up the road from there in Springfield, Illinois. We weren't far. It was all-consuming that summer, uh, you know, certainly not part of the country. We don't get Mark McGuire a lot, but when he went into the A's Hall of Fame, we had him, and he was cool because it was like a 15-minute interview. And Mark said to this day, people still come up and thank him for saving baseball. Sure. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, that's absolutely how it was looked upon at that time. And then I think about A's great. Sunday we're going to honor Dave Stewart, and we're going to retire number 34. How just important is that? We just honored the O2 team, and uh, it was great to see you and Billy and Dave Cavill out here high-fiving the guys and everything. Just how important is it for your young guys to see the history? Yeah, I mean, between that O2 team and the Hall of Fame, it's been a, it's been a great stretch here to have – have some of the uh, the guys back. I, I think our guys got a lot from that O2 team being here. I know, you know, it was so much fun for a lot of us who've been here since then, but I know, you know, Cots was down here with that group, and I know Nick Allen was out here early to keep an eye on some of them. It's it's a big part of, of what the A's are and what Oakland is, so it, it is important, and certainly adding Stu to that list on Sunday is a, a no-brainer. I mean, not only... Not only what he did when he was wearing an A's jersey, but what he's done in the game since, having worked in the front office, now being a part of the organization in the community and on the broadcast. I mean, I, I think uh, I think it'll be a great day for Stu. I'm looking forward to it. And potentially an owner. Sure. Talk I, about a baseball life. Right. I know that he wants. He definitely wants that to be on his resume and, and has worked hard uh, to be in that conversation. And, and, you know, who's more qualified? What, 23 games left? I'm not counting, but 20, I think it's 23 Is that left. right? I think it's okay. 23. I, I'm actually not counting, so I don't know. What exactly are you watching, and what's the most, other than wins and losses, mm-hmm. what's the most important thing for you? To, to finish the season uh, playing hard, you know, the way these guys have. You've seen it you know, on the road trip the last couple days, competing, 
Uh, I mean, we easily could have thrown in the towel down 6-1 the other day against the Braves, and uh, and we took really good at bats and battled back and had a chance to win that game. So to see see the guys continue to compete, take good at bats, and then to see some of the starting pitching continue to perform. It was, you know, watching Ken pitch at home for the first time yesterday against what what I think may be the best lineup we've seen all year. I mean, they've got guys down at the bottom of that Braves lineup uh, that would hit in the middle of a lot of other lineups. So to watch him compete and really just, you know, made two bad pitches all day. I don't even know if the pitch to Swanson was a bad pitch. He just turned on it. Um, And also the weather here. Those balls – Normally may not get out. Right, you and I could hit the ball out with with 100 degrees in the Coliseum. I'm just saying, I mean, I, I watch <laughs> Waldachuk. I actually talked to Cole Irvin today, and I said, Cole, if I, I, I've been saying this on the postgame show. If you give me Cole and you give me Blackburn, you give me Waldachuk, give me Sears, and then all these other guys that you have, yeah, you're now looking at a potential five. But one thing that I've been looking at, like kind of like horses, right, you got two stables. You got one stable of starting pitchers. The other guys are relievers. Talking about five guys is not a reality really anymore. It seems like in a season you're going to need anywhere from 10 to 15 guys. You need a bunch of starting pitchers, and that's what you have right now. Yeah, you definitely do. Um, And and the game has evolved, and, you know, some of it has changed with the, the limits on pitchers on the roster. You can't can't quite run an opener out there a few days a week and you can't do some of the same things we're we're obviously changing guys in the bullpen when we need fresh arms um but yeah you've always it's always been the case so you got to come in to spring training with eight starters and you got to plan on using more than that during the season so um so that is a critical part of looking ahead is watching these starting pitchers you know the guys you mentioned plus adrian who's pitched really well his last two times out and then you go down and look in the minor leagues and see who's going to finish strong down there and you know, you've obviously got that group in Double A that includes Criswell and Cusick and Ginn, and you've got Estes and A Ball. Uh, you've got, you know, you've got guys like Cushing and Leal, and see where they fit in the mix. Um, so, yeah, uh, starting pitching is a big part of evaluating the next month. Long way to go, but could you see any of those guys that you mentioned that came over in trades? And I know some of them were are coming back from injuries. Could you see any of them in the big leagues next year? It's hard to say. I mean, once you're in double A, it's always an option. Um, but we've got a long way to go, both performance and health-wise, till they're really seriously in the conversation. Are you Are you happy with the progression? Yeah. I mean, I, they've got another year under their belt. I mean, a couple weeks left in the minor league season. And I think looking at the minor league system overall, we would have hoped for better health just kind of across the board. Position players and pitchers, we had some bad luck this year. Um, and that always cuts into development time. Um, but, yeah, I would definitely say we're happy with, with how guys have developed. And I thought we were getting close to being out of it, but still the COVID year, I think of Cody Thomas. And, and, you know, I've had people say, don't get too excited, Townie. He's 27 years old. But I'm like, well, if you actually look at it, these guys lot. And I think for Cat, I think really for Caprillion, he lost some years through injury were mm-hmm. the years for him really to learn to be the guy that he wants to be. He kind of lost that rehabbing, and then everybody lost that year. Guys were – they weren't even at alternate sites. Yeah. Some guys were. And then all of a sudden, Cody has the Achilles thing. I mean, he lost a couple of years. So you kind of look at him, you go – Tall, athletic, played at Oklahoma. You finally got your Oklahoma quarterback. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard that line a couple times this week. <laughs> if you haven't heard that one. <laughs> but, but you know, it's like 
we got to remember these guys lost time. Right. Their ages are a little bit different. Yeah, I, you're right. You sort of you want to be past that. You hope that with a little more time, we're going to get past this sort of loss of development. But it, but it is real still. And Cody's a perfect example because of the injuries and, and didn't play in 2020 um, and then missed so much time between last year and this year. He's got well, he's got 47 ABs, I think, this year between rookie ball, AAA, and the big leagues. Um, but he's got the tools. He, he was sort of on the right path before the Achilles thing happened. So you do get excited that he's got a chance here. He's got a chance to get some ABs. He's got some hits right away, which is always nice to kind of get those nerves out. And we'll see what we've got for the next four weeks. How much do impressions right now, and we can say good or bad, yeah. right? Because, you know, if a guy goes out there, you call him up, you're excited, he doesn't play well. I mean, that's going to be on your mind. How important are those for next year, or are they not as important as we think? Well, you, you asked earlier what are we looking for in these last 23 games. Like, those impressions are absolutely important. I mean, the way, the way a guy finishes a year, the way a guy performs when he comes up for a short stint, like, those are the things that stay with us as we go into the offseason. When you're thinking about, you know, 40-man decisions, when you're thinking about, you know, what does a 26-man look like going into spring training, those impressions are important. I'm sure Cots would tell you the same thing. I mean, he's, he's sitting out here for three hours every night. He wants, he wants what he looks, what he sees on the field to be meaningful. So those impressions are, are definitely important. No doubt. And it's, uh, it's interesting because, you know, going into next year, there will be a lot of change. But you'd like to know some of the guarantees, right, sure. of what you'd already have heading to ho ho Yeah, you hope, you hope, regardless of what happens during the season, you hope there's a core of guys that you've got penciled in going into the offseason because it helps you make decisions. I mean, we're obviously going to look – you know, at, at free agents, both major and minor league, we're obviously going to look at making some trades, but you hope that you go into those conversations and, and go into your internal meetings knowing kind of what you've got and, and what you can count on come February and Mesa. How do you grade out Nick Allen since now Elvis is here again? You know, we talk about when Elvis was let go, and he said, all right, Nick, you're getting in the pool now for sure. Time yeah. to swim playing shortstop. How do you grade it out? I think the most important thing for Nick is that he's made so much progress between the first time he was in the big leagues and when he came back up. I think we saw that first time, you know, having to adjust to the speed of the game, having to adjust to the pitchers. Um, and frankly, you know, he, he got sent down because he wasn't quite 100% ready. Um, but, the, you know, since he came back up and then, like you said, since Elvis moved on and it was kind of Nick's job to run with, we've seen those adjustments made. And that's all you can ask from a young player is to make progress and to develop and, and catch up with the speed of the game. And he has. I mean, he's, you know, he's got a long way to go. He's played really well on defense. He's done some things offensively, but the numbers aren't quite there. But, um, but as long as you're seeing progress in the right direction, that's what we look for in every, every one of these guys who's come up this year. I know how you're going to answer this because you guys have always been, whatever happens, we'll deal with it and we'll take care of it, right? To where other people in your position will complain when there's rule changes, they complain about it. You're like, just tell me how many people we got, <laughs> tell me the rules and let's go. Well, tomorrow at 9 a.m., we're going to figure out if the rules are changing next year. Right. And one of the big ones is shifts. I mean, you guys, every team, but you guys have invested a lot of time. You've invested money into shifts to make your defensive better. Yep. If they take that away, how are you going to feel? I'm going to feel like everybody's playing under the same rules. Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what 
I, I, I don't have the ability to change it. Nothing I do or say in the next 14 hours or whenever they vote is going to change the effect. So, you know, we'll figure it out. We'll change, you know, you'll change what you can do on either side of the bag or you'll change your personnel to fit with the new rules. You know, it is what it is. You're, I, you're I, too even keeled. I, I want you to be angry. I want you to be. Hey. You know how much time and money we've invested in these guys. You don't. You don't stay in this job for 20 plus years by bashing the people that make the rules, Chris. I'd be it's, fired. It's in not the first a good year. strategy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a hothead. I'd be an awful general manager. Um, so when you look at that, are you? Do you do you like it or not? I mean, you, wh- whether you're going to deal with it, would you yeah. like to see the shift stay, or would you like to go back to traditional defense? Um, I like the pitch clock a lot. Me too. Yeah. I'm in on that. I I've been to enough minor league games in the last year to know how excited everybody should be about the pitch clock. I think it I think it changes the product. It changes the entertainment. I'm excited about the pitch clock. The shift we'll deal with. You know, I I don't know. You know, I don't know exactly what effect that's going to have on the game, but I know the pitch clock is going to improve the product on the field. It just means more action, right? And it's happening faster. It just it changes the whole pace of the game. It changes the experience from from the dugout into the stands upstairs. Like it changes everything. I I, I watched two games in Lansing this year. I watched two Midland games last year. I saw games in Stockton. It just it's it's different. It's frankly it's hard to come back to this and watch you know, the pace of some of these games. Like, we have some games that move okay, and, you know, you get out of here in under three hours and you feel like everything moved, but you got some games that drag, too. And that, you know, even a three-hour game under a pitch clock feels like it moves better, and that's that's what we're trying to accomplish. I'm so glad you said that because one morning, it was early, you guys were on the road, so I was doing it from my home studio, and Greg Amsinger from MLB Network was calling a AAA game. Now, this is a studio guy who watches all the games every night, so he knows how slow this game goes. Yep. He was freaking out how fast it was <laughs> going, my God, this is it. And Shooty Babbitt said the same thing. Our fans need to realize what's coming is it. probably the number one overall thing is the data shows people stay longer for games. For sure. For sure. It's just a, it's a better experience if you're a fan. You you see more of the game. You, you spend less time, you know, kind of wondering, you know, why there's nothing going on in the field. I, I will say, like, I try and watch our game at the same time as some of our minor league games. And we've got MILB TV, and we're watching, you know, usually Vegas and Stockton are happening at the same time as our game. And you miss pitches from the minor league games because I'm watching this game on the field waiting for something to happen, and I'll go back to my computer, and there's already been three pitches in the minor league game. I'm like, it's so different. It's such a different experience. Wow, it's a lot of baseball you're watching. <laughs> <laughs> you're grinding down Vegas and here, but yeah, I can see it's like, oh, the inning's over over here. What do you mean? We, we're still, yeah. we're still on the first batter. On the other side, like there are times when like I don't want to watch what's going on in this field, and I'll be like, okay, I'm not, you know, teams on the road, I'm not going to check for like ten minutes, and I'll go back and I'll check what's happened, and like a batter has gone by, and I'm like, come on, that's all I missed. So don't worry, I'm <laughs> keeping score for every batter of every game. So if you miss anything, just text me and I can let you know exactly what's been happening. Uh, who's your favorite NFL team growing up? I think we've talked about this. The Raiders were in L.A. when I was growing yeah. up. Uh, a boy. Wasn't the greatness. I wasn't a huge football fan. So I, I feel a little more attached to the Niners having been here in the area for 20 years and knowing some of the folks over at the Niners. 
so if you make me choose, I'm going to jump on the Trey Lance bandwagon. Well, we got a lot of Niner fans watching and listening, <laughs> so that's good. The reason why I want to bring it up is because the NFL and the running back position has changed. Sure. When, we were, when you were growing up in L.A., there was a guy named Eric Dickerson, mm -hmm. and he carried the ball 35 to 40 times a game, and he rushed for a bazillion yards, one of the great backs. He's going to be here on Sunday for Stu's. Uh, oh, is that right? Yeah, E.D., the Hall of Famer, is going to be here. So we don't have those guys anymore. No. They Now it's running back by committee. I'm starting to think about bullpens and closing Kind of like the running back in the NFL. You need three or four guys. Am I crazy on that? Instead of saying, all right, you got Eckersley or you got Mariano Rivera, you got Trevor Hoffman, you got this guy. Is there something to be said to having three guys and maybe even those guys throw more than one inning, truly starting to train the bullpen to be like that, running back by committee? Well, a couple things. There's always going to be the elite closers. Like, there's always going to be guys who, who just can do it. You know, Kenley Jansen's still out there doing it. Like, there's always going to be a group of four or five, quote, closers who, are, who just are the best at it. Aside from that, um, you know, I think what you, what you say about having a couple guys do it makes sense. Problem is... There's something different about those last three outs of the game. We've seen it here for years and years, um, and you see it across a, a league. Anytime someone tries to go bullpen by committee, you hear, you know, it just isn't the same getting the last three outs of the game. And, and you know, until you're in the dugout, I think, until you're on the field to experience it, it's hard to really articulate what that's like. So I think the only thing that sort of gets in the way of your theory of, hey, we've got three guys who can close is that – not every team has three guys who can really go out there and get that last out. Yeah, and I, I know. It's like because these kids beat me up. I'm a dinosaur. I'm Clint Eastwood. <laughs> get off my lawn, right? Being a former pitcher, wins mean something to me. Saves mean something to me. And they tell me wins don't matter. Yeah. They tell me losses don't matter. I got these kids telling me now ERA doesn't matter. I'm like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what matters anymore. Sounds like your career was a huge success then if none of those things matter. There you go. Like, why am I not playing? I, I, mean, I mean, if nothing matters anymore, at least I would have been good at uh, talking to the media after the game. So are, are we getting to a point that we may have positionless staffs to where you just have – We'll call it 13, 14 guys. No one's considered a one or a three or a five or that. It's just we tell you when to show up. We tell you when to pitch. And everybody, you're a pitcher. You're a pitcher for the Oakland A's. I, Could you see that happening? I don't think we're going to get there. I think you, Thank ha God. you have such talent on every pitching staff. These guys are so talented. They are the, the elite of what they do in the world. And I don't think you're ever going to get to a point where you can't differentiate which of these guys are are the stars and the starters or the back-end guys like there's such there's such hard work that goes into what they do that I don't think they're ever just going to blend into a group of 13 or 14 guys it just isn't going to happen they're too good they're too good to have that happen I'm not going to ask you about pitchers I'm just gonna do wins still matter for teams do we still care about wins I will say I I don't really look at win loss if you ask me the win loss records of our starters i'd probably I, I might get close wins is a team it's a team stat it really is it, it always has been i mean i know when you know when cole 
goes out there or Cap goes out there or Adrian or whoever these guys, you know, Ken and, and JP now in the rotation and all are, I know when they go out there, you know, what they give us in terms of a chance to win. I don't know how many wins Cole has. I really don't. Um, but I know that our team performs well when he goes out on the mound because he keeps us in the game. Most important thing, let's end on this. Tony Camp, Roberto Clemente Award nominee. Yep. What does that mean for this organization, and what has he met community clubhouse to you guys? Yeah, well, you're right when you say that, that we're ending on the most important thing. I mean, you, you cannot quantify Tony's impact uh, on our clubhouse, on the community, on the fan base. I mean, you just you see all these things about – you know him him talking to fans interacting with fans doing things in the community and his you know i would never have have guessed or known about his impact were he not here in person when we traded for tony i thought we were getting a really good utility player a guy who played the game the right way played hard um, but without seeing him in person you have no idea the impact that his his personality just his sort of general vibe has on everything and, and so deserving uh, and so impactful since the minute he got here well thank you for coming on and it always means a lot to the a's fans because you want to know what's going on sure and you're a total straight well, shooter. Once you, you got the shade, I'm happy to come down here. Somehow, some way, you made that happen. It's unbelievable. If you could put AC in my house, then we'd be full, <laughs> we have the full money here. <laughs> yeah, we'll put a camera and some AC, and boom, the David Ford Show. Hey, thank you very much, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, see you The guys. general manager of your Oakland Athletics right here on A's Cast Live. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.